football historian and Vegas legend Bruce Marshall. From Vegas Insiders, CBS Sports, and his own website, BAMSports.net. With over 30 years on Memphis Radio, with handicapping and sports talk, here's Bruce Marshall with Bryant and Brett. Bruce Marshall joining us from Vegas Insider, CBS Sports, and BAMSports.net to talk some wagering. Bruce, thanks so much for joining us. And last time we talked to you was right before Thanksgiving, and you were out of the country visiting the family. How was your trip? Uh, it's fine. We came back uh, earlier this week. I'm actually in California right now, and I'm not sure this isn't more of a foreign country than I was last <laughs> week. So. <laughs> and, and, and you can't use cash anywhere. That's right. I mean, we, we, I mean yeah. Try, well, try pulling I'll, out I'll, green cash anywhere. <laughs> well, you, you know, that's right, and I'll uh, – I'll be back to Vegas probably early next week. Mm. But I, uh, I'll, I'll, there's two, you know, conference championship games and back-to-back yeah. days in Vegas, so that's kind of interesting. But uh, no, I'm in California now, but I'll be back to Vegas next week. Two games and one of them tonight, one yeah. tomorrow afternoon. Bruce, let's talk with just kind of where we are—the whole perception of the college football playoff rankings. I, I said earlier today, and I've alluded to it a couple times this week in in other forums that. The people that write history get to define history. And I think we got defined in September with the Pac-12 being the it league. When it played out, they were good, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they were vastly superior to the SEC or even the Big Ten. You're probably right. You know, and, and some of these leagues, once you start playing each other, then things will change. I mean, you know, the Big 12 started to look a lot better when some teams started to win, but that, you know, they started to win when they played each other. Somebody had to, to win. When you look back at the Pac-12, though, I mean, some of the, you know, in retrospect, some of the non-conference games that we thought were, like, big wins really weren't. I mean, mm-hmm. Washington beat Michigan State, uh, no. I mean, uh, last year it meant more, and that didn't even mean that much. But uh, certainly not this year didn't mean anything. Oregon, Texas Tech, I mean, that's their best non-conference win. Not really. Uh you know, and 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 down, and down the list go Utah, Baylor, uh, Baylor. They barely won that game, and Baylor uh, didn't have a good year uh, at all. So, I mean, some of the stuff we have, you can the perspective of it. You know, from later in the season, you look. I mean, Arizona lost a game in overtime in Mississippi State. Now, Arizona got better as the season went on. They'd have been favored over Mississippi State at the end, but still, they lost to them. So, yeah. In retrospect, I'm not sure. You, I mean, I, I think you're right. In retrospect, uh, it, it wasn't the difference that we thought, um, and things always though change when you get into conference play, then, I mean, some teams have to emerge and some teams have to fall, and that's why I mean, a handful of teams are going to look better maybe than they really would because they're playing in their conference. Iowa certainly went like that. They're not that good, but they played in the week half of the Big 12, and they look good. Bruce, I swear, a lot of the, the pundit class, they can't remember what they said from September, and I, I love the pundit, and, and I like to be consistent. I think Texas's win on the road at Bryant Denny should really matter. It should be any potential tiebreaker. Texas would be in. I, I love the pundit that, that agrees with me on that, and they. But but the the Mississippi State win over Arizona doesn't, doesn't matter that much anymore. It, that, all that doesn't matter. Oh well, wait a second. You can't have one September win. I think actually on the same date that that you know either September matters or it doesn't. I agree, and I think it should, especially when you got a head to head. And that that 
uh, and that will, if it comes down to that, with Texas of and Bama. And, and Bama's got to beat Georgia for that to even come into play. And Texas has to win, too, mm-hmm. tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, that, that uh, um, you know, it, it has to come into play. Um, but I, I still wonder about, I, I get the sense that there's sort of an anti-SEC slant from all these other conferences. And to have Bama sitting at eighth this week, I, I don't know. Um, you know, Oregon, what Oregon's done to, to be talking as much as they do about Oregon. Um, and and Boo Corrigan, the AD at NC State, who's on the uh, committee, he raves about Oregon. Oh, we love their dominance is great and the stats and this and that. That should be a secondary concern. The main concern is winning. And uh, I think that sort of thinking has also helped to inflate a couple of these numbers this week, mm. including the Oregon-Washington game. One other note about the schedule. Um, it's not uh, even all the way around. And Alabama-Texas, I mean, that, you know, effectively that was sort of like a quarterfinal game, I guess. I mean, yeah. you could look at it that way if it turns out such. But the same day Alabama played Texas, Georgia played Ball State. Um, flip those. Okay, mm-hmm. let's have Ball State coming to Tuscaloosa and, and Texas down uh, to Athens, between the hedges. Uh, Texas might have won that game. I know Georgia's been really good, but Texas could have won that game. I mean, Georgia will struggle with South Carolina the next week, uh, and Bama would have certainly beaten Ball State. That happens. Bama's probably not a five-and-a-half-point underdog uh, tomorrow. Bama's probably sitting here undefeated, uh, and Georgia might have a loss. So the schedule has a lot to do with it as well, but yeah. you really can't see that as clearly until you get this late in the season. Well, Bruce, let's get to some of these games. Let's start with that Pac-12 championship game tonight, Oregon and Washington. I've been um, pretty shocked at how big this line is all week. Oregon, a 9.5-point favorite right now, that total 65.5. What do you like tonight in Las Vegas? Washington, and I like it even on the money line there. I mean, wow. This is basically basically the same price the Seahawks had at Dallas last night, mm-hmm. and I you know, Washington's got to have a better chance to win. Seahawks darn near won that game. I was like, probably sure should. Um, but, I mean, all this team has done is win 19 games in a row. They've beaten Oregon twice in that stretch. Yeah, I know the Ducks had a chance in that game in Seattle, and Lanning's strategy toward the end of the game left something to be desired. But Washington beat them. And mm-hmm. uh, just because Oregon has started to run up scores in the schedule sequence right, too, that's the other thing I'm not sure that the committee looks at. Uh, I mean, how the schedule sequences, they catch Utah, which was already hurting right after they had that massive win against USC. They catch Oregon State after it was sold out effort, lost by two points to Washington, and they ended up feasting on uh, on the Beavers last week on, uh, uh, on Friday. Uh, but... Uh, I, I don't, and maybe Oregon just is going to come out and, and roll tonight, but I don't think so. I think what you saw last week from Kalen DeBoer, that fourth and one call in the fourth quarter, that was brilliant stuff. And when most teams just run right up the middle, look what the Seahawks did last night. Mm-hmm. Big fourth and one, just straight up the middle. Didn't work. Well, DeBoer's pretty creative. I think he's got the edge on landing. I think this guy is a master coach. And I know Washington hasn't won a game by more than 10, I think, since that Michigan State game. Um, but they keep winning. Um, and that, that that's the final bottom line here. I think there's just so little respect being played to Washington. I hope they win. I hope they shut Boo Corrigan up. Uh, and by the way, the winner of this game is probably going to get in the, with Washington for sure. And if Oregon wins, they're going to get in the final four. The committee's sort of already said that. But I think Washington's going to win tonight. 31-27 Huskies. That might go under. The game went 33-30 in uh, October. It went 37-34 last November. Both three-point wins for Washington. So I think same sort of thing tonight. 
Yeah, they've been in a lot of close games. Bruce, over the course of this weekend in these championship games, who's the coach that you're scared of that might have that, oh, my goodness, why would you just try that moment? Oh, uh, Lanning, almost, um, because he's been apt to do some really rash things. Uh, I'm going to say Kirby. Remember that fake punt with Justin Fields a few years ago? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Lanning says the things that haven't worked, though. Uh, which, That's right. Which, which, which would which concern me. But yeah, it could be Kirby. I mean, it could be almost anybody uh, uh, this weekend. Uh, but um, I, I I wonder about Lanning and some of the decisions. He reminds me a little bit. I mean, some of his strategies, it, it's generally work for him. It's sort of like Staley for the Chargers. I mean, he really comes up with some off-the-wall things and every. It's always fourth down. You always have to go for it. You know, you know two-point conversions here and there. I don't know that there's much thought put behind some of it. So I would think he's the guy who can make the most mistake. And, and against DeBoer, I, mm. I kind of like the edge DeBoer has tonight. But we'll see. There's a lot of different guys who could do that this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that one tonight. Let's go to tomorrow one. A lot of people, especially here um, in the South, are talking about, and that's the SEC Championship. Uh, Georgia, Alabama tomorrow afternoon in Atlanta. Right now, Georgia, a five-point favorite. That total sitting at 55.5. What do you like tomorrow, Bruce? Oh, Bama, I like Bama. That's too many points. And again, it's just what I said before. Just flip the schedule around a little bit. Bama would be favored in this game. Now, they're, this, these games are, these teams are dead even. At five is way out of whack. You can get Bama at close to a two to one price on the money line here. I mean, that might be too good to pass up as well. I know they had a scrap last week. We thought they would against Auburn. And I know they put, they were right up against the edge of the cliff. And man, but you, when you pull a game out like that, I credit a team for that. Too many people seem to downgrade a team like that for struggling. Finding a way to win. Listen, not every championship team is like the Super Bowl shuffle Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Packers in NFL title games had several scraps. Um, you don't, uh, uh, when they were great, uh, you know, uh, the Dolphins in their perfect season, they had scraps in the playoffs. Uh, you don't just go out and win every game thirty-four to nothing. I mean, it's you. You got to win some close ones. And Bama's shown that pull pull it out like that. They they have that quality. And Milrow's progress this season has been. Now he's, he still makes some mistakes now and then, but I mean, he's come up with big play after big play. I like him actually more to come up with something big here than Carson Beck the other way. I have not thought Georgia is as dominant up front defensively. Certainly, as two years ago, and even not as last year. They're really good, but I'm not, I'm still not sure they're quite that level. I think Bama's going to win. Uh, Nick Saban wow. against one of his old assistants, too. Although, he's got a good record against everybody, and Kirby did get him a couple of years ago, but still. 30-24 Bama, that makes things really interesting yeah, elsewhere on a Saturday. Certainly Saturday night gets a lot more interesting for Bama fans if they can win that game. And Georgia, too. But the difference between two years ago, Georgia could lose that game in 2021, still get in the Final Four. I am not sure that's the case here, so a lot at stake in this one. Going into championship weekend, the number one seed going into the weekend has never been left out after losing. Georgia could be that. Do you see where Bama and Georgia both are left out? Yes. Um, and here's the, the, the parlay. Fairly or unfairly? Well, it, I'd be unfairly, I think, because I, I don't um, – Either Pac-12 team wins. I, like I said, I don't buy why Oregon has to be rated above Bama right now, uh, but they seem the committee seems to be in love with Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, here, the, the, the scenario is this: if Bama wins, 
they are still going to need at least one of Michigan. That ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas, that probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or Florida State, that could happen. One of those three's got to lose. If none of them lose and Bama wins, I think they keep Bama out, and I think they shut the SEC out. And I know, and this is a lot of these people around the country, this gets very provincial, and they may not say it out, out loud, but you know they'd love to stick it to the SEC, and that really rankles me because I still think it's the best league. Um, but that's a scenario that could keep them out, and I, I think they keep Georgia out too. I would really be mad. I mean, right now they've still got Ohio State ranked ahead of Bama. Now, if Bama beats Georgia while Ohio State's absent, uh, not playing this week, that would be horrible not to leapfrog Bama over Ohio State. But I don't know what this committee's up to right now. I've heard some stuff. I could do you, Brett, you, me, Bryant, we could do a better job seating this <laughs> thing. Like we could do in March for March Madness than these bureaucrats that do it. Yeah. I have no faith in them doing the right thing, and I'm afraid they would do the wrong thing if that scenario unfolded. If, if that unfolds and there is outrage... Do you think it would make the committee better going into next year in 12 teams, or would it be typical of every unwieldy bureaucracy and they just retrench into, no, we're never changing? Which one do you think happens? Do you think if it's outrage, it makes the committee better a year from now? They won't change. The only difference is there'll there'll be 12 spots next year, so... I mean, four is kind of a harebrained idea anyway. I mean, you to do this right. I mean, you need more than 12. I mean, you should probably have 16. To do it like do it like uh, the FCS does it. And, uh, yeah, they have the 20. Yeah. yeah, 20. And they, yeah, or more. I mean, see, they've been doing that for years. So, I mean, that'll make it – I mean, at, at that point, you're talking about a, a, a 12 or 13 seed into the tournament making it instead of a 4 to 5. So, and they won't – that's you know, it's not quite like the mark – you know, big dance when it's number 68 or 69 getting in, but it's a little bit uh, uh, easier on the committee than picking four. But no, they won't change. It's going to be the same sort of people involved there. And it's the same sort of people who have put college football in this mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same sort of thing. They could have avoided all this years ago. And this goes back into the 80s and before. And actually, the NCAA had a chance to do it. And this all spawns back to the old bowl system there. It was always unwieldy. It was a good old boy network doesn't fit with the modern narrative, and they're trying now to fit all this modern stuff in there with the TV and everything, like it probably should, because that's it's it's what it is. But you can't hold on to some of these old things and the nil. This is all stuff that should have been addressed by the college powers that be years ago, but they were too bloody greedy to do it the right way. So I have no faith that they'll get it right. This is what we got to live with forever. Bruce, Bruce that, that, that is so true. They, they're exactly the ones. If it's not identical, it's their ilk whether it's Boo Corrigan or that fool Gene Smith who thoroughly yeah. wrecked the basketball bracket a few years ago that was just laughable, and he didn't have a prayer of being able to explain it. And they're the ones that if they had had any forethought could have headed off the O'Bannon suit and we would not be in the, the in NIL mess we're in. Yeah, yeah. and it's because they were greedy. I mean, the whole way through, I mean, this is, this is bad. And I think the NC2A... You know, is, is one or two more court decisions if they if they challenge the eligibility thing and this transfer stuff and that's coming. I think the courts are going to end up ruling for the players every single time, and the NCAA deserves to lose in court. They could have been, uh, and and the big schools too. What should happen eventually? And I don't think this is. I mean, what you've actually got right now. If I just have one more quick second, it's like in the NFL. If the AFC South and the AFC North and the NFC West all had their own our TV deals. 
uh, at some point, uh, it would behoove all these to get under one big umbrella. It ain't going to happen, but it could have at one point years ago, and the NC2A could have had the foresight to do that. Not since they lost the TV deal in the early 80s. I'm talking a half century ago. If they just would have thought ahead a little bit, they could have staved all this off, but they didn't because they were too greedy, mm. and the conferences are too greedy. And this is we're just going to have to live with a form of this that might improve and be a little bit more palatable going forward. But it ain't going to change much because the people in charge are the ones who made the mess, and they're still going to be in charge afterward. Yeah, I'm talking to Bruce Marshall from Vegas Insider, CBS Sports, and BAMSports.net. Tomorrow night, the ACC Championship. We're starting to hear reports that uh, the Florida State quarterback situation currently up in the air. They went to their backup uh, after the Jordan Travis injury. Now he is in concussion protocol, a game-time decision for tomorrow night. We could be seeing a third-string quarterback start for Florida State tomorrow night against Louisville. Right now, Florida State, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, that total at 46-and-a-half. What do you like tomorrow night? Yeah, this gets really, I mean, this is starting to look like, a, you know, Kenyon Martin for Cincinnati about 20 years yeah. ago getting hurt and right before in the, in the uh, conference tourney final. Right in Memphis, the, at the Pyramid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And uh, then what do you do? This is the number one seed, but they weren't that without him. Uh, in, in, you know, Florida State is not one of the best four teams without Travis. They've got other playmakers. They've got other players, I know, but he's the guy who really was the straw that stirred the drink. They could R- Rotomaker is a is a serviceable alternative. And I point out he ended up coming off the bench and winning the game at Louisville last year on a Friday night in September. Uh, serviceable, they can get the job done. They're not the same. They're not as explosive. You got to go third string there. Then you are really put it tough. And if that's the situation, even with Rotomaker. To be in the final four, Ed Waters. This is why this current system is there. They're not one of the four best teams, but they'll get in there if they win this game. Uh, I don't know if they're going to win though. They have rid- rode lightning a lot this year. A lot of close wins. I mean, you're struggling like they did against uh, uh, BC and 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 some other teams they had this year. They can get beat. Um, I think Louisville can do it. Um, mm. They. I don't know what happened to them in the fourth quarter against Kentucky last week. That we thought Kentucky was probably a good bet. Not the way that happened though. But Plummer has done enough for Braum this year. I respect Braum a lot. I think he's right in the same plane as Kalen DeBoer at Washington. They've got to get Jordan running a little bit better because he hasn't had a 100-yard game in over a month. That's going to help. But uh, Florida State, even with Rotomaker, only 224 yards last week against Florida, which had that game under control until they became the Billy Napier Gators in the second half and started making all the mistakes. Uh, I think Louisville wins this game. Mm-hmm. And this is the one. If Alabama can win... This is the one they're going to have to have because I don't think uh, Oak State and Iowa are going to help them. Louisville could. I think they will. 24-21 Louisville win this thing for Jeff Brom and uh, stop this talk about Florida State in the Final Four. Uh, Bruce, I want to get to a couple NFL games, but is there any other uh, plays you like in any of these championship games over the weekend? New Mexico State, very interesting tonight, plus all the points. They've covered 10 straight since they lost a game at Liberty. Uh, But uh, Jerry Kill, uh, underrated, should be on any short list for Coach of the Year, I think, mm-hmm. getting New Mexico State to this many wins and back-to-back bowls. So that one. Michigan tomorrow. By the way, the uh, the first half total on Iowa, I saw a half a point somewhere. Yeah. The Big Ten West was so wretched this year, it was an abomination. Northwestern was a few seconds away, and they darn near won that Iowa game from winning the Big Ten West. Every one of those teams, Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, all wretched this year. This is worse than the NFC South. 
I don't think they're going to score tomorrow night. And by the way, the game against Penn State, they got smoked 31 nothing. They had four first downs. That was with McNamara. Would have been nice to see him play his old team tomorrow, but Deacon Hill is in there now because McNamara's hurt. They ain't going to do nothing in that game. 31 nothing Michigan. I'd like 22 looks like a lot of points. They won this game 42-3 two years ago against Iowa. And that's when Iowa had a little more offense. They got nothing this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan going to roll tomorrow. Two uh, two quick games for you, Bruce. Uh, in the NFL on Sunday, 49ers and Eagles. What do you like in that one? And then do you like any college basketball plays this weekend? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of like the Eagles a bit because I'm a little surprised they're an underdog here. Yeah. Running quarterbacks tend to give the, the Niners a little bit of trouble. And I use the Seahawks as an example because when Russell Wilson was up there, he gave them all sorts of fits. Since he's left, and Geno's been in there, the 49ers are 4-0 against him. But it's not just... Uh, it's not just that Seattle example, it's others. They have had trouble with some mobile quarterbacks in the past, and Hurts is that. Niners winning this one on the road and laying a couple points, I think that's tough. I might lean to the Eagles a little bit there. Mm. College hoops, there are some interesting ones uh, tonight. This UConn-Kansas game, very interesting. I might look at the over. I might look um, at uh, I might look at the uh, uh, BYU tonight, yeah. I think, is a good. They're really hot. Could take out Fresno. I think St. John's beats West Virginia tonight. Conference play Memphis starts game. a lot of places. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And and the Old Miss Memphis game with CSA now eligible. Uh, I guess Jay, I guess Brandon Murray's going to get at some point soon here. But I, you know, Chris Beard has remade this thing right off the bat, and these guards have come in there and Flanagan and the kid from St. Peter's Murray have been playing really well, and I got CSA in there. See, is he act, if he plays Cissé and Sharp at the same time, I'd like to see that. Yeah. With that's first seven footers, Brad from <laughs> Pembroke Burroughs and Artis Gilmore at uh, Jacksonville. for Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know that Beard would actually do that. He'd probably alternate him. But anyway, that's. I think Ole Miss gets him. I think Cissé is going to be a big help to them more than Sharp probably is. But I love those guards coming in there playing well. And they'll be even better when Murray gets eligible. Mm, that's going to be a fun game tomorrow, Bruce. Bruce, before we let you go, where can we find more of you? Yeah, check us out online. Go to VegasInsider.com. You want all my picks. Got them up there. I got college hoops. I got NBA. I got NHL. I got college football. And I'm going to have NFL for this weekend, too. That's up there at VegasInsider.com. Also, check me out, CBS Sportsline, Sportsline.com. And once in a while, CBS Sports HQ. Not sure when, but uh, I show up there once in a while. And uh, with Jimmy Ott down there uh, and Bet Rivers on the podcast at Sports Betters Paradise, check me out there as well. Bruce, enjoy your weekend. We'll do it again next week. Okay, boys, have a fun weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Bruce. you, Bruce. Good luck. Bruce Marshall from Vegas Insider, CBS Sports, and BAMSports.net giving us a little, little bit of picks in, in everything. College basketball, NFL, college football, a little bit of everything from Bruce. And, and both these guys, Alan and Bruce, have been red hot all year long as we kind of start winding down in college football. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we got to talk Razorbacks. Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas. He joins us next. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
pizza lovers and sports fanatics, Ferraro's Pizzeria is your Sunday ticket headquarters. Catch every pro game on multiple big screen TVs while enjoying $2 beers, $9 beer buckets, and mouth-watering pizza. We're talking the cheesiest, most delicious New York pizzas in town with all your favorite toppings. What are you waiting for? Grab your family and friends and get to Ferraro's, corner of Jackson and Maine, just east of the pyramid. Enjoy every pro game at Ferraro's Pizzeria and Cheesy Corner, your game day destination. Step up your wings game at East Coast Wings and Grill. With 60 wing flavors and 7 heat indexes, do you have what it takes to turn the heat on your wings up to insanity? East Coast Wings and Grill is family friendly with a large variety menu to satisfy the whole bunch. Sign up today for their loyalty program and taste the rewards. For every dollar you spend, you collect a point. Earn 100 points and receive a $5 reward. Next to Lowe's off Highway 64 in Bartlett, come try America's best wings at East Coast Wings and Grill. Time to talk Razorbacks on Sports Time. Joining the guys is Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas to talk all things Hogs and SEC. On Twitter X at Ty Sports Radio, here's Ty Richardson with Bryant and Brett. Come on, all you Razorback fans, let's stand up and call those Ty Richardson joining us from ESPN Arkansas to talk some Razorbacks. We got to talk football and basketball with Ty. And Ty, we didn't get to talk to you last week because we were out Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday game on Friday. Did you enjoy your Thanksgiving? Man, it was great. Got a chance to see my nieces and nephews, my stepsisters, my brother. Uh, unfortunately, my parents got sick, so they weren't able to make the trip. But we had a, we had a good time. Unfortunately, Arkansas got blasted. Day after Thanksgiving, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And the Golly. Memphis game in basketball. Yeah, don't forget about the Tigers. Yeah, I lost a bet. Um, <laughs> I got to wear a Memphis jersey tomorrow, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to sport that the, the most of the day. So I've, uh, you know what, I'm a man of my word, but guys, I'm going to be wearing a Memphis Tigers shirt tomorrow. I've been wearing Arkansas Arkansas stuff all weekend here in Nashville, and uh, I will be donning Memphis Tigers apparel tomorrow. Oh, I get what was more surprising to you, the Razorback football effort and that pounding, or the loss, uh, the the one and two experience in the Bahamas for basketball? I would say the the football because um, Bray, you think about like how leading up to that game, Sam Pittman and the other players described it as their bowl game, and again for the offense not to show up, they didn't score until really the, the second unit guys came in. Jacoby Criswell came in for an injury. K.J. Jefferson, they just looked really bad offensively. Oh, Criswell yeah. looked like he had never practiced. Yeah, he, well, he just got killed. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Brady didn't have time to throw the football. Um, that offensive line gave him no – I mean, Missouri would blitz one extra guy, and it was like they'd send 10. It was unbelievable. So, Arkansas has so many issues they have to fix and resolve in the offseason. Of course, Bobby Petrino recently hired. He had his media press conference yesterday, so – this is a uh, this is a big next couple weeks for Arkansas football. Definitely more surprised at the football, basketball. Memphis has got a good team. Uh, David Jones, goodness gracious, what thirty five points against them. Uh, North Carolina, we saw them rock Tennessee the other night. Not a surprise as what they were um, not able to do against uh, two quality basketball teams in the Bahamas. The Razorback fan base really needed the Petrino announcement and the Duke win, didn't they? Hundred percent. I mean, you and I were texting following the Missouri games. Like, ugh, man, it's gonna be a brutal week. I mean, you got uh, you've got your finger on the pulse uh, in a lot of different places, uh, Brett, and especially here in Arkansas. I mean, it was brutal. Monday was about 
So I hadn't done radio as long as you, but Monday was about as sad as I heard, not just doing radio, but listening to it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the despair, the anger, the um, really just lack of hope uh, w- was showcased over and over by callers, texters, uh, commenters. And then the Petrino news hit, like you said, Brett, and it, w- it just changed everything. Then the basketball team upset Duke. You, it was a complete 180 mm-hmm. from where they were on Friday comparatively to this week. And, and Todd, what stunned me is the, the finish of 4-8. and eight. And when I left Razorback Stadium last Friday uh, about 6.30, uh, almost a week ago at this time, I had ne- it, I, it felt different. It felt like that was one of the changers to finish 4-8. and eight. And now this number that's going around five of the last seven years, four wins or less, What's going to be the number next year for Sam Pittman? Is it seven? Is it eight? What's he got to win next year? Because that's going to be the summertime conversation because this honeymoon period with Bobby Petrino will end, and it'll get down to brass tacks. I think they just got to make a bowl game, and I don't know if the fans will be consensus happy, but I think if they make a bowl game, there's reason to believe that he stays on next year. Um, that would put him at six and six. We'll see what they actually do in that bowl result. I think for, for Arkansas football and Sam Pittman, I mean, that's a set you reference. Arkansas, since joining the SEC, has not been great. Um, they haven't been Vanderbilt necessarily, but they haven't been far off from the Commonwealth either. And I remember 1998. I remember 2002. I remember 2006, 2011, 2010. But here's the harsh facts. Since Missouri and Texas A&M joined the league, you don't have a 10-win season. Mm. And you only have one winning season in the conference. like even can't beat either one of them. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you, you have two wins against Missouri and one win against A&M. Yeah. Even two years ago when Sam Pittman got to nine wins, they finished at four and four, I think, in the conference. So it's just, it, it is, we know how tough the SEC is. Oklahoma and Texas added, doesn't make it any easier. But Arkansas fans are, are frustrated, but history has kind of showcased that this is not a, a great program in the league, and I hate saying that, but guys, we got to look at the stats and the facts, and they point the other direction. Ty, when I and so I get home Friday, have all day Saturday, and I read the Democrat Gazette on Sunday, and Wally Hall, a friend of both of ours, when he writes, it's a good thing the divisions are going away, or Arkansas would be the Vanderbilt going forward in the mm-hmm. West. It's really hard to push back on. Always thoughts, and I read I read his stuff each week like you do, Brad. And I mean, you think about where Arkansas is in pecking order now. Again, one SEC win this season. You look at uh, they lost to Mississippi State, um, so State, of course, above them this season. Uh, Vanderbilt didn't have a single uh, win in conference. I think two and ten this year, so they're awful. Arkansas is not any much better, sitting four and eight. And again, you got that win in Gainesville, first time ever. But I mean, they've got to they've got to turn around next year, and they have an opportunity. I mean, you got Ole Miss coming in. I can't wait to see you next year. Uh, you've got Tennessee. You've got LSU. You've got Texas. You've got marquee opponents coming in at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. And then in addition to that, like your road games are Mississippi State, which shouldn't be bad. That should be a win. You should win that game. Uh, Auburn, which is going to be a lot tougher. Hugh Freeze is going to get that team rolling next year. Uh, A&M in Dallas, which is an awful. And then Missouri, which we'll see if Drinkwitz can capitalize on the uh, – the, the momentum they had this year. So they really don't have a – but the thing is, guys, they start in Stillwater week two, and then A&M 
the game they can't ever win. They've won once since the league. They got that at week four. So you could be sitting at two and two through four weeks of football heading into conference play, basically, which we know is more difficult next year. Mm-hmm. Well, Ty, you mentioned the hiring of Bobby Petrino. What was the reaction, the response from the fan base, and what do you expect him to bring to this offense we know really struggled this season? Brian, it was overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. And the calls and texts that we received, there were some that were negative, and they had their they had their opinions, sure. and there's some truth to, to some of the stuff that they brought up. And being the fact that, again, there, there's some areas that you don't like uh, about Bobby Petrino, not just his past, but um, what maybe has happened as of late relative to what happened 10, 15 years ago. I think for, for Arkansas, the administration side of things, like, yeah, you still have to execute and win games 270-plus days from now. But, I mean, right, again, you you know season ticket holders. This, this thing got people buying season tickets, renewing season tickets. They'll have a few donate uh, um, big money boosters that either pulled funding or is are going to because it's higher. But I think he did a lot more than good than bad, at least from the perspective of getting people excited again for next year. Now you got to hammer the recruiting trail and bring some guys in that can play SEC ball. Mm-hmm. You got to hit that portal. Got to. Got to get a quarterback. Oh, yeah. No got question. To. Yeah, well, speaking of quarterback, uh, K.J. Jefferson sounds like he's going to be in the portal. Uh, what do you make of that decision from him, and, and where does uh, Arkansas go from here to get a quarterback? So Cody Kennedy, uh, offensive line coach, just going to Mississippi State. Uh, that was announced today. I'm really curious. I thought Jeff Levy, and I don't, I don't think he's hired a, an offensive coordinator. You, you guys can double-check me on that. But I would think Ken O'Brien's would be a logical uh, hire there, being his brother-in-law and the connection. Um, maybe he stays in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. If that happens, um, and I don't know how much he likes Cody Kennedy based on how much he was on his backside uh, this this season, but he seemingly had a good relationship with Ken O'Brien's, and I would expect that to, to possibly land him in either T.C. or Mississippi State. I know 247 Sports has him going to South Carolina. Um, but, guys, I think it's, it's, it's in his best interest to transfer Mm-hmm. I don't see this working out, continuing to fail. Now, if Bobby Petrino's like, I, I want him as my quarterback, then then I'm with that. Like, this is a guy that, uh, again, has got a track record with QBs, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Mallett, Tyler Wilson. Yeah. If he thinks KJ's his guy, by all means, KJ's my guy. But I just don't think it's going to play out that way. But he's going to have a long offseason of rehabbing that knee mm-hmm. that was really bent the wrong way last Friday afternoon on that that first series. So he's got to commit to that. And, and I'm scared of K.J. Jefferson after a long rehab when he's not working out a lot, really being in ripped, tip-top shape for that Bobby Petrino pace. Yeah, there's no question. I, again, I just don't think he spends his five because next year's his final season. He'll, he'll be a six-year senior. feels like him and Hooker and some of the other guys that we've seen in the SEC that have been around a lifetime you have the COVID year the red shirt year and I just think that it is best for his future from a football standpoint yeah, yeah. not necessarily at the, the next level because I don't think he's going to get much of a shot but if he wants to play, keep playing college football and have a high level of success 
I don't think Fayetteville is the best spot for him. Mm-hmm. Talking to Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas. Ty, uh, what have you heard? We had some texts uh, earlier in the week, curious, and I'm curious as well. Tremont Mark, we saw him take a, a nasty fall down in the Bahamas. He didn't play in that game, that win against Duke. What have you heard on uh, his injury status going forward? Brian, we got a t- we got an email from uh, Mike Haywood, who's the communications director mm-hmm. for Arkansas basketball, right before the game, saying he's not playing, but it really didn't detail anything else than that. And mm. then must mention him having a groin issue after the game. So it's kind of a weird situation, right? He's your best scorer, but if you watch Arkansas basketball, a lot of his points come off ISO ball. Yeah. They had, to this season, they had their best offensive performance without him. It's kind of weird, right? It's like the catch-22. He's got a lot of um, capability offensively with the uh, the six six frame, the ability to rise over people. He shot the bell bell well at points from the three point line. But at the same time, you want to continue that momentum that you had from Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And I, if this injury is prolonged, which it could be, I don't think Must is going to be that disappointing because he wants to see that chemistry improve with the guys and maybe get some guys that aren't necessarily going to play a ton of minutes, but just a few to get them more action in these next few weeks. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting uh, with Furman uh, coming up on Monday and then a big game next Saturday. We'll talk to you again before then, but a big game uh, at Oklahoma, who's right now in the top 25. Should be a lot of fun to see what this Arkansas team can do. But, Ty, thanks so much for joining us. We'll do it again next week. Guys, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Have fun in Nashville, Ty. Thank you. Oh, that's going to be easy, Brett. (laughs) (laughs) Be safe. Yeah, really. Thank you, man. We'll do you got Di Richardson from ESPN Arkansas joining us every week to talk the Razorbacks. And Brett, here before we get to our break, we got to get to our uh, weekend bingo card. Let's do it. I've got three conference championship games okay. covered, right. and I called my shot early in the week in the NFL. Here's one for sure. The uncomfortability of Brett Yormark on oh. that stage oh, handing a trophy to Texas. Yep. Big Ten game. Harbaugh back. I mean, hmm. they will they will cover every aspect yep. of that, and, and 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 you'll hear Desmond on game day and Charles Woodson on Big Noon mm-hmm. make every excuse for Michigan. Last week, first time ever, Big Noon won the ratings against wow. game day. Uh, my third one. Coach Nick Saban and Kirby, both pregame when they gather at midfield, all the cameras it'll be around, mm-hmm. and that post-game handshake, yep. how long will it be? They're very warm with each other, but it could be the official, the final straw of passing the torch if Kirby Smart beats Coach Saban again. And on Sunday night football, all the references back to Super Bowl One. Yep of Green Bay in Kansas City. Yep, no, those are some really good ones. My bingo card, I'm going to stick with what I like to do. Two NFL, two college football start in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers' return hype is going to completely dominate Sunday. The pregame shows are going to be talking about it. If you watch the Jets game, they'll be talking about it from start to finish. So you're going to get a lot of will he, won't he, when will he about Aaron Rodgers. My second, we're going to get a lot of people talking about we're going to see the NFC championship game uh, 
preview on Sunday between the 49ers and the Eagles with a lot of people thinking those are the two top teams in the NFC. Uh, My third, this one being in college football, Heisman mayhem this weekend with this game tonight uh, between Bo Nix and Michael Penix. A lot of people thinking that that could decide who wins Heisman, but also I saw earlier today uh, somebody, LSU or a booster, somebody purchased a sign, a billboard in Las Vegas for Jaden Daniels talking about the season he's had this year. So don't forget about Jaden Daniels, even though he's not playing this weekend. And fourth, uh, this weekend, the transfer portal will reach its breaking point. Good thing it opens on Monday. It's already getting crazy. I think it's going to get even crazier this weekend, and we shall see. But those are our bingo cards for this weekend. And all of that action gets started here in a couple of hours with that first championship game, the CUSA championship game, kicking off at 6 o'clock. Well, let's get to a break. And when we return, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This holiday season, give the gift of Goulds with a Goulds gift card for someone you love. It's the perfect gift for everyone. The Goulds gift card doesn't just send wishes, it grants them in-store and online. Just come to any Goulds and pick up a gift card or go to GouldsSalonSpa.com to purchase online. That's GouldsSalonSpa.com. Happy holidays from Goulds. Goulds Salon Spa, locally owned and operated since 1932. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, Brett, I'm excited for my big number today. Um, I saw this last night after the Cowboys and Seahawks game, and it's just an unbelievable stat. My big number today is 125, 125. Um, before yesterday, no team in NFL history had ever had 125-plus penalty yards in a game without punting. Last night, both the Cowboys and the Seahawks did just that. Uh, the Seahawks ended the game with 10 penalties for 130 yards. The Cowboys, 9 penalties for 127 yards and zero punts in that Thursday night football game last night. It, it was a gross good game. It, it, it really was. And, I mean, it was one of those games that there were so many penalties that everybody, commentators, people on Twitter, everyone was talking about the amount of flags. Now, the Cowboys, they had a week off after playing mm-hmm. the previous Thursday. Yeah. Se- Seattle didn't enjoy that. No. But that game last night screamed Thursday night football, didn't it? Oh, it sure did. And, I mean, I'm telling you, if, if it wasn't the Cowboys playing, um, who knows if I would have stuck with it as long as I did. My big number is 32, as in tomorrow will be the 32nd and final SEC championship game pitting East versus West. Mm. Next year will be just top two. Good luck on figuring out yeah, the tiebreaker. Really. 
starting next year. All time, it's 1913 West. Mm. Ten of the 14 current members of the SEC have appeared in at least one SEC championship game. Kentucky, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt, they have not. Winner of the game goes on in bowl games to be 25-13. and 13. I know that's 38, wow. but remember with the playoffs, the winner would play a couple different right, times right. in the college football playoff. And the loser goes on at, out of this game to be 19-13 and 13 in bowls. Wow. That's incredible. Brett, wow. you did it again. Okay. He right. did it again. Brett, you did it again, man. I bought the judge off, Brian. Hey, hey, man. Hey. <laughs> you sounds hey, like Brian. It. every day I give my big number and I look over and he's doing he's giving me a thumbs down. <laughs> I and did. If you give your big number, he's like, oh, man. He did. a big number. Hey, <laughs> it is, man. Hey, Brett. Please. Hey, some things that just don't miss and you're one of them, man. You're right, always I, on it with this big so. number, man. I, I love telling this story every year. I mean, it, I know it's got an old hat for a lot of people, but SEC championship game, the first one, 1992, okay. was the first year I was in this. This is how fast right. it goes, wow. and it was all so exciting. Still yeah, is, sure. I swear. I look forward to this as much now as I did yep. in the, that, that first year. But I, I, I got to go to the SEC championship game for this radio station, okay. and I was so excited. And, you know, just meeting everybody and seeing everybody in f- first year and things. And I'm standing in line. I thought, well, you know, I'm in the press box, you know, on a cold, cold day. Yeah. There's no need to lug a coat and a hat and gloves and all that yeah. gear down there. And you know how cold-natured I am. I always have been. And I get to – I'm standing in, in the credential line, and a good friend of mine in Alabama, Larry White, is kind of running the credential line uh-huh. for the league office. Oh, no. And he hands me mine, and it's got a bit – on my credential, it's got three big letters, A-U-X, on it. Okay. And Ron Higgins is standing there with me, and right. I go, what does A-U-X mean? And Larry, I'm, I'm, I'm just quoting now. Oh, no. I, I'm not even going to use the word. He said, "He said that means your rear end is out in the stands. Oh, I said, the stands? I didn't even bring a coat. He let me borrow his overcoat. I sat out outside in, in auxiliary media. That's oh, what the no. AUX stood for. And then he came and got me when some of the TV people cleared out at halftime. And I got it, got inside to the, to the warmth. And it was a great game. Yeah. Gene Stallings was so opposed to that game. He was 11-0 going into that game that yeah. day. And he didn't want anything derailing his team and a potential national championship. It came down to a Antonio Langham pick six to seal the game for mm-hmm. Bama. They went on and won their first national championship, under uh, only national championship under Gene Stallings, but the first one since Coach Bryant. That's what a story. I mean, sitting out in the cold. AUX. What does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> You're outside. Drove down and back, same day, Jeez. you know, uh, in, in Legion Field. It was never, ever nice, right. but much nicer than people have sure. seen it in, in the last few years sure. going down. For bowl games, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I'm really excited, um, and especially with what a lot of uh, you know our guests have said. What a, I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people think uh, Alabama don't count them out. So I mean, that could be a between tonight's How game can and the twelve. I mean, you can't. I mean, we'll get. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil my pick um, for for Friday football forecast. But Brett, you know, I don't like betting against Nick Saban. Nick um, Saban, and, it's Alabama. Yeah, in in a game that in a championship game, a, a game for some hardware, and I'm supposed to bet against Nick Saban. I, I don't think so. But uh, those 
should be really fun. The game tomorrow, the SEC Championship, and then tonight, the Pac-12 Championship, should be two um, really outstanding games. But before we get to a break, uh, weekend, it's here, and I know you're looking for a night out, so let me point you into the direction of 117 Prime. Located at 117 Union Avenue, opening 4 p.m. daily, 117 Prime offers perfect steaks cooked to your liking over hickory wood for the best flavor in town. And the meat, it's regionally sourced for the best taste, so you don't have to worry about it traveling across the country like at some of these other steakhouses. Pair your steak with a wine from their award-winning wine menu or switch it up with their wine of the month. Not a fan of beef? No problem. 117 Prime also offers outstanding seafood like oyster, shrimp, and lobster. Also, get down there right now to enjoy their happy hour from 4 to 6, Tuesday through Saturday, for the best happy hour that downtown Memphis has to offer. To make reservations, head over to 117prime.com or give them a call, 901 901- 433-9851 that's 901 433-9851 for our friends over at 117 Prime. Let's go ahead wrap out wrap up our second hour when we come back we're talking Tiger basketball with Jason Munz from the Commercial Appeal. <laughs> 